it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hello, everybody. I'm Mary Welter sitting in for a vacation in Brian Kilmeade. Pretty sure Brian's going to be back with you tomorrow. A lot to get to today. Coming up later this hour, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us. We have a lot to talk to him about. Uh, We're going to talk to him about a whole bunch of stuff going on politically, uh, the border. So a lot to cover with him. I want to start out, though, covering covering what's happening north of the border as opposed to south of the border. Um, And and let's talk about this Freedom Convoy, shall we? If you would like to join in, feel free. 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. So in Canada, you know, they have really draconian lockdowns with with COVID and everything. And the, the mayor of Ottawa, declared a state of emergency on Sunday because um, they have about 500 trucks and vehicles that are part of that freedom convoy we all saw, we all know about, um, that's hanging out in the streets of Ottawa, all right? And it's the Canadian capital. And for those of us, who knew, right? Like how many of us just learned that that Ottawa was the capital of Canada? Um, anyway, uh, they're protesting these vaccine mandates and other coronavirus related restrictions and 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 truckers this whole idea with truckers being mandated to get this vaccine it kind of cracks me up because they sit in their truck by themselves maybe a dog is with them right they may have a dog they may have a cat or their husband or wife is with them they may have like a traveling buddy but that's it they're they're enclosed in a box how much more socially distant do you want someone to be than a trucker but yet they have to get this vaccine. And then there's also issues with crossing um, from Canada into the U.S. and U.S. into the into Canada. And so it's disrupting the supply chain. Whereas if you've tried to get, you know, some electronics, anything, food even, crossing the border, building supplies with, with uh, timber and things like that go back. We do a ton of business across the border into Canada. If you ever ride um, Amtrak. In the northeastern part of the United States, I sometimes would take, back in the day, I took Amtrak from New York City up to Ticonderoga on the Montrealer. goes all the way to Montreal. And, um, and, uh, and, and you would see the northern half, Canada actually controls the traffic on Amtrak in, the, in, the, in northern New York State. And we had to pull over at one point. I forgot where we pulled over, but we had to pull over and uh, we had to sit. Maybe it was like Albany and we had to sit on the side because trains taking lumber and goods to Canada, freight trains had right away over passenger trains uh, because of the, you know, the trade going back and forth. So there's a lot of trucks that go back and forth as well, but all of that's being disrupted over these vaccine mandates. So they, the trucker said, well, if you're not going to let us do our job, we're going to show you what it's like if we can't do our job. And they just blocked everything up. 
and there be and you're seeing this happen all over the world now. You're seeing copycat uh, protests all over the world. They're Australia in in uh, the Netherlands. It's happening. So you're seeing and you, there's talk of um, one in America coming up. Uh, I can't imagine how Washington D.C. is going to respond if they try to head to Washington and, and and you know sit in the streets there. And I would assume that there will be shenanigans from the left if that should happen. So I'm kind of hoping it doesn't. So the police announced yesterday that they have arrested seven people and more than a hundred have been issued tickets in connection to quote demonstration related enforcement in Ottawa. Now, so, so what they're doing is, is that they're, they're prosecuting anyone found bringing fuel to the trucks in the red zone. So they're arresting and charging those people because they need fuel in order to stay warm at night, stay warm in their trucks. Cause it's cold in Canada in January, in February, it's cold. So to run their trucks in order to keep warm, they need the fuel. So people have been bringing them fuel and supplies and, and food and everything else. But if you bring them fuel, you are now subject to arrest and charges. Multiple vehicles and fuel have been seized. Five of the seven arrests were for unspecified mischief. A sixth person was charged for driving while prohibited. A seventh for mischief relating to property damage of a downtown business. It's so Canadian to call it mischief, isn't it? Like, right? Like... To me, they seem like the most proper people, you know, they're just really nice. And, and so for them to call it mischief to damage a business, I just think that's just so Canadian to me. Um, More than a hundred highway traffic act and other provincial offense notices were issued for offenses, including excessive honking. So Canadian uh, driving the wrong way, a defective muffler, uh, no seatbelt, alcohol readily available and having the improper class of driving license so far 60 criminal investigations related to the demonstration have been opened primarily for mischief thefts hate crimes and property damage and the pop there was a park confederation park where people were hanging out and they had set up uh, tables and things like that to help the truckers that has all been cleared and now fenced off the police chief declared it a siege on Saturday, we do not have sufficient resources to adequately and effectively address this situation. Now, here's the dichotomy to me. If this were in the United States and it was Black Lives Matter laying siege to, um, I don't know, part of Seattle, part of Portland, part of Washington, D.C., when they were camped out in uh, Lafayette Park, all over the country, you had Antifa, Black Lives Matter. They often wind up, they often travel together. Um laying occupying various parts of cities we never called that a siege by the way i would think that if you take over a part of a city and you don't allow the cops in remember in seattle the chop zone people were getting raped and shot and they wouldn't let the ambulances in they wouldn't let law enforcement in how is that not an insurrection i keep hearing insurrection all the time because of january 6th insurrection yet we called Seattle part of the summer of love. And I, when I say we, I kind of mean like the mainstream media, not we. You know, it's like the royal we. Um, so I, I just find the, the dichotomy so interesting. Let's go to Tucker's show last night. This is um, Cut 5, Eric. This is Ezra Levant was on with Tucker 
And they were talking about why uh, Trudeau is targeting the trucker protests in particular. I think Justin Trudeau is more scared that he lets on because these are supposed to be his people. They're young, they're ethnically diverse, they're working class people, but they're not following the script that they normally do for him. There hasn't been a significant court ruling against the lockdowns, and Trudeau's sort of hoping that they'll be able to starve or freeze these truckers out. I don't think it's going to work, though. It's not just in Ottawa. There are trucker convoys in many other parts of the country, including hundreds that have blocked the Montana-Alberta border for over a week now. It's in the middle of the prairie, hundreds of huge trucks and agricultural equipment that can't be towed away. The, the Mounties tried to move that blockade. The burly uh, truckers stood them down. So I, I think this problem's bigger than Trudeau knows how to solve unless he goes full Castro on them. Very interesting. I did not know about the blockade on the Montana-Alberta border. I, that's not getting any play in the media. I heard nothing about that. Now, let's just go back about a week because Justin Trudeau has not been heard from. Have you noticed, oh, I had a COVID exposure, so I have to I have to quarantine and I'm going to leave Ottawa and go quarantine somewhere where no one knows where I am. Now, if you've had a, co- a COVID exposure, but you test negative, I think it's five days is, is, is the isolation period. I think that's it. It's been far longer than that. This is... Um, let, let's go to cut 23 here. This is um, a, a little flashback for you where he talked about um, rallies, right? Because what did I just say? When it came to Black Lives Matter and it came to Antifa occupying all over this country, they apparently were doing the same thing in Canada. And here's Justin Trudeau talking about that. I have attended protests and rallies in the past uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. (laughs) Black Lives Matter, he agrees with them and supports their issues. That's why that's allowed to happen. The same thing happened in this country, In in these cities where Democrats run the show, right? They had, they allowed the taking over of parks and streets that people lived on and, and trashing of and burning of businesses. You have the, D, the Justice Department in all of these cities now dropping the charges against all these people. You know, if, if you were at the Capitol on January 6th, even if you walked in through an open door, we're, we're arresting grandmas and raiding their homes and making them plead guilty to things um, and, and, you know, renounce their support of Trump in front of a judge. And we're ruining their lives because they entered into the Capitol through an open door and they wind up pleading to a misdemeanor. But Portland, you shine a laser into cops eyes and you walk. That's what's happening in Canada. 866-408-7669 if you want to join us. Coming up, let's talk about what's happening with the funding of this, where people are donating to this. Um, Elon Musk donated to this as well, but he gave to GoFundMe, which we now know. They don't agree with this either, so they're not going to do business with that. And uh, some Republicans are speaking out. We'll have that coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, 
What exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. That was Justin Trudeau the last time we heard from him, which was over a week ago. Um, and he has nothing more to say since on this freedom convoy being that is this happening all over Canada and uh, Alaska. There was a freedom convoy held in support of the Canadian truckers. The freedom convoy happened on Sunday. It was organized by an assembly member in Canada. And more than a hundred drivers and trucks and personal vehicles traveled from a part uh, sporting goods store in Anchorage to the Eagle river, Alaska lions club. And there was a second convoy that also uh, uh, has some events scheduled and there was another rally that happened in Juneau on January 29th. So this is starting to spread, but you're seeing it more, as I said, in in Alaska. I would be surprised. Well, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if they started here um, in the lower 48. Um, but as, as you start to see mask mandates drop, especially for kids in school, you're starting to see that happen in New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware. Recently, those were just announced. And it's, it's, isn't it funny in New Jersey, they're not dropping it till the beginning of March because apparently COVID still hangs and needs time to pack up its bags. So the month of February, you still have to remain masked in school just in case COVID is hanging around. There's any laggards, you know, we can get rid of them so that by March, COVID is gone. This, that's so dumb. Why not just make it now? Why are we waiting till March? I don't understand that. So as I said, GoFundMe. And we all know, uh, removed the Canadian trucker fundraiser. And initially they were going to, they said, well, you can request your money back and you have to jump through these hoops and you have to do it by February 15th. And what you don't get, we're donating to charity. And uh, there was such an outcry about that. 
that they um, they decided that they're just going to automatically refund the money. So now you can um, give through Give, Send, Go, which is more than happy to host the fundraiser for the truckers. So there's also been some blowback about all of this because they allowed fundraising for Black Lives Matter. They allowed fundraising for some of the occupied zones. That was okay because like Trudeau, they agreed with the goals and supported the issues. So that's okay to them. Senator Marsha Blackburn was on Fox uh, report on Sunday and she talked about the hypocrisy and what's going on with GoFundMe. It's so interesting to me that they have done this. And, you know, John, if you use their their actions and say that is their logic and they're saying, well, you can't have this on our site because it causes disruption. Well, then you would think they would be pulling down every BLM organization or affiliated organization, but that is not what is happening. And we know that GoFundMe corporately gave to BLM when those protests were taking place. And the violence was carried out in cities. It caused deaths. It cost, I think, about a half billion dollars worth of destruction in these cities. So they are very subjective. And I will say this, it is why we need some non-discrimination language that will be in the governance and the legislation we're going to pass dealing with these big tech companies. And I have mixed emotions about that because I believe if you're a baker and you don't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding or whatever it happens to be, you shouldn't be forced to do it because really it's not a hardship. You can walk down the street and go get a cake made from another baker. It's simple. I, I don't know of any towns in which you can't travel to another bakery and get the cake made that you want. But you can't go. There are very few options to go with social media because these giants, they're huge behemoths. There aren't a lot of other options. And when other options come up, like Parler, they get together to take that one down. So they don't, there, there's no competition. They're monopolies. It sounds familiar. And it's the government's job to break up monopolies. But I, so I think there's a difference between a bakery in a small town and GoFundMe, which is this huge giant. And I never like GoFundMe anyway because they take a portion of the money. I think it's 5% of the money. and It depends on what it's for. And sometimes they don't take any. But I'd rather just, you know, if it's a friend or something like that, I'm like, I'll write you a check, dude. I'd rather you get the whole thing than give a, a part of it to them. Uh, she also, she, here's a little bit more of Marsha Blackburn uh, talking on Sunday on Fox Report about GoFundMe. They are very subjective in what they monitor, what they censor, how they carry this out. And the actions they've taken against the Freedom Convoy are very discriminatory. They disagree with them. So therefore, they were going to cut them off, which they did. And then they were going to take all that $9 million and use it for charities or groups or something, people that were on their GoFundMe site. Now, fortunately, they're giving that money back and the money is going to the Freedom Convoy through other avenues. This is why you, we have to go in and we have to deal with these big tech companies, these social media platforms, and the way they are conducting themselves in the virtual space. 
Now, along those lines, four Republican attorneys generals have pledged to investigate the GoFundMe decision to take down the fundraiser for the truckers. You have Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, the Louisiana AG, Jeff Landry, Texas AG Ken Paxton, and the West Virginia AG Patrick Morrissey. Now, this started, Morrissey, Morrissey was the first one to kick this off, and it started before they announced that they were going to come up with a way. Originally, they announced they're going to take the money and let the truckers decide the charity to which they were going to donate it. And then there was a blowback about that. And then, you know, eventually we got to the point where they're just going to automatically refund it. So he started that. But I think there does need to be an investigation into this. All right. Coming up, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us. And boy, do we have a lot to talk to him about. You don't want to miss it on Fox News Radio. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. I want to start off talking with you, though, about uh, immigration. And Representative Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, she's from Colorado. She has introduced a bill called the No Taxpayer Funded Lawyers for Illegal Aliens Act. And there are other uh, House conservatives and some other immigration organizations, immigration reduction organizations uh, that are supporting this. She said no organization or city that receives federal funds should be spending it on legal aid for people who cross the southern border illegally. And I can tell you there are some states that do this. My lovely state of New Jersey, uh, we pay for through tax because we have such low taxes in New Jersey. It's no big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> we pay for legal counsel, free legal counsel for people who have entered into the country illegally and are living in New Jersey. Now, if you're a New Jersey citizen and you need representation, of course, you have to foot your own bill. That's just the way that rolls. Uh, they, she says, the principle is really simple. No more American tax dollars to help illegal aliens cut the line and skirt our laws. And she told us to Fox News Digital in an interview. She said, Democrats want to treat the border detention facilities like an Oprah Winfrey show. You get free education. You get a free plane ticket. You get free medical care. You get free, free, free. It really has to stop, and my bill is the first step in this process. Let's delve into this a little bit more with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Texas gubernatorial candidate, senior fellow at the Media Research Center, former congressman in Florida's in Florida, and he is the author of the books Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death, and We Can Overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto. You can follow him on Twitter at Alan West. Sir, thank you for joining me. I love when I get to speak with you. Mary, it's such a good uh, honor to be with you. I'm sorry I'm a little late. I just finished speaking at a breakfast here in Dallas. Well, I hope it was good a good breakfast. Did you get good food? Yeah, I had my normal uh, ham and cheese and spinach uh, omelet. And we talked about the importance of Texas, and we talked about what's going on down at the border and how it's really affecting not just Texas but the United States of America in so many ways. It, it, it is so what is happening down there is just crazy. And that's exactly what we're talking about now. And by the way, congratulations on getting a good meal at one of those fundraisers or any of those any of those like <laughs> those meals, because it's usually, you know, horrible. It's horrible food, powdered eggs, you know, or rubber chicken. So congratulations on that. You hit the <laughs> don't buy a lottery ticket. You won already. Um, 
Lauren Boebert, uh, Congressman uh, Boebert, is, is, has introduced this No Taxpayer Funded Lawyers for Illegal Aliens Act. And what it would do is it would prevent an organization or a city that receives federal funds from spending it on legal aid for people who cross the border illegally. I would have thought that this is illegal already because are you not aiding and abetting a crime with that money? No, you're absolutely right. You're aiding and abetting human and uh, sex trafficking. But it's not just the, the, the legal aspect or the lawyers, but we also have to look at these 501c3 not-for-profit organizations. Here in Texas, we got Catholic Charities, we got Lutheran Ministries, and a couple of others that uh, they're down there being the travel agencies for illegal immigrants. The Border Patrol, they're not uh, processing. The ICE is not deporting. These individuals are being turned over to these uh, 501c3s who are getting federal taxpayer grant money based upon how many illegals they process uh, into the United States of America. And it's very simple. Here in the state of Texas, we should revoke their licenses to operate in the state of Texas as they are 501c3 not-for-profit organizations. So I would just hope that so many people will rise up and say, we're not donating any more money to Catholic Charities or Luther Ministries because of what they're doing down here, taking federal grant money to uh, to really aid and abet the human and sex trafficking, especially human trafficking coming out of Texas all across America. And, and I think that that is an important thing right there because Catholic Charities has always done so well with uh, Charity Navigator. It's always been one of the top ones because they have low overhead. Most of the people who work for Catholic Charities or deal with them are volunteers or they're the, the religious part of the Catholic Church. So so they're, it's, they're getting paid already. They're not taking money for doing it. So a lot of the money actually goes for whatever it is you're donating, whatever their mission happens to be. So they've always gotten a very good rating from Charity Navigator. I I will not give them my money anymore. I'm done. I, I will give my money to individual groups, maybe on a smaller scale to directly where I know the money is directly going to to the charity and not to people who are running it. So I think Republicans need to get these groups' names out there and pound it over and over and over again so that people know. Because I know people who donate to Catholic charities, and when I tell them, they're shocked. They have no idea. They're like, but a charity navigator yeah. gives them such a good rating. I'm like, yes, but look what they're using it for, you know? So that needs to yeah. be done. Yeah, absolutely right. And the fact that they, again, are getting, you know, taxpayer-funded money, uh, grants, based upon how many illegals that they are processing. You know, you just saw a bunch of single military-age males, and Bill Belugin of Fox News doing an incredible job down here in Texas. And he showed these individuals in Brownsville, Texas, going to an undisclosed office location. Well, guess what? That's one of those either Catholic charities, Lutheran ministries, or 501c3 not-for-profit that are giving them taxpayer money, $1,300, $1,400 per illegal immigrant, a free cell phone, and then they get the opportunity to get on airplanes. And Mary, how big of a slap in the face it is to Americans that people are actually using their arrest warrant as a means of identification to get on airplanes and travel in the United States of America. I don't understand how any of this is legal. I listen to this and I'm like, I, I don't understand how this is legal. We're kicking toddlers. We're kicking toddlers off planes because they won't put a mask on because they're toddlers. But yet we allow these people to get on with their kids and everything else. We have no idea what diseases they're carrying onto these planes because there's, there's no COVID check. There's nothing. And, and you, like you said, an arrest warrant, 
which uh, doesn't an arrest warrant mean that there's a warrant out for your arrest and and you shouldn't be allowed to travel you're you're a wanted person isn't that what that means uh that's what it means to uh an american citizen but obviously uh we have created a dual uh i don't know path whereby if you're an illegal you get more rights than an american citizen does because the american citizen is unconstitutionally being told that they must get a jab in the arm look at what just happened i believe up in boston massachusetts where the man was denied a, a heart surgery operation because he hadn't gotten the shot but yet who is denying any entry into the united states of america especially across the border here in texas uh for these illegals that don't have a shot so this this has to end and the american people have to start standing up and that's one of the reasons why i'm running for governor is because folks are tired over here in texas and they want to see their border secured yeah absolutely um i because i i coming up in the next time i have something else i want to talk to you about so i want to get to try to wrap up immigration during this segment but um lance gooden out of texas my uh, congressman Yes, he is. I mean, he just like the rest of Texas being overrun with illegals. And he believes that impeachment of Biden over this border on um, what's been happening at the border should be on the table for Republicans in 2023, uh, assuming that they take back control of the House and you know, the House and the Senate. They have control over everything that they would be able to get that through. What do you think about the idea of impeachment based on what's happening at the border? Absolutely right, because Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution is called the Guarantee Clause. Two things that the federal government is supposed to guarantee to every state in the union. Number one, a Republican form of government. Number two, protect every state in the union from invasion. Joe Biden is unconstitutionally violating his oath to the Constitution, the rule of law. He's not owning up to it. That's an impeachable offense. That's high crimes and misdemeanors. And furthermore, if I continue to hear him say that no amendment to the Constitution is absolute, then he doesn't believe in the Constitution. He should not be in the office of the presidency. I've I've been saying this for a while now that because all of this to me appears to be illegal, I'm not a lawyer, but if you're using money to aid and abet a crime, that's in and of itself a crime. And Joe Biden and Mm -hmm. uh, Mayorkas and the the rest of the crowd, they're all doing that. Kamala Harris, you know, uh, endorsing paying, you know, the bail of of people in Portland and everything else. I mean, it's just lawlessness. And and also using our taxpayer dollars, allowing them to you brought up the warrant, being able to travel with a warrant. Are you not aiding in the escape of a criminal? Right. I, I, I If an American gets on a plane and they're using a warrant to get on the plane and you allow that to happen, they're fleeing prosecution or fleeing from where they're supposed to be. Is that not a crime? That is a crime. And again, you are aiding and abetting. Uh, human and sex trafficking, you're aiding and abetting a terrorist organization. That's what the cartels are. And it just comes back again to the Constitution. You have a duty to protect the sovereignty of the state of Texas and the United States of America. You're not doing it. That's a high crime and misdemeanor. Uh, That's probably treason. And you should not be sitting in the office of the president. Okay, so here's my last question on this. Will the Republicans stick together to do this? I don't see Mitch McConnell going for for, – impeachment of joe biden i just don't see it happening he's a creature of the swamp and that will be their downfall if they don't understand that they've got to go in and they've got to fight hard and if they get the majority back people are not looking for the same old status quo the republicans up there on capitol hill need to come out with a contract for america or with america much the same as newt gingrich did back in 1994 
Amen. Yes, I, I would love to see this. I've been banging this drum for a while now saying this is illegal. This is a crime. Why are they not? I would love to see the Republicans do it now, even though it's not going to go anywhere. I know it's not going to go anywhere because Democrats are in power, but they would do it if this was the other way around. If they weren't in power and this was oh, yeah. Trump, they would they would still go through the impeachment circus just to shine a light on it. They're much smarter than the Republicans when it comes to things like that. Well, they have a delusional tenacity. <laughs> But it works. I got to tell you, it works. It gets their message out. It and does. It does. there's a lot to be said for it. Coming up, I want to talk to you about Jamie Raskin's wife uh, and being up for uh, Sarah Bloom Raskin for supervisor of the, the vice chair of Federal Reserve. And uh, what happened? The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He has nothing more to say since on this freedom convoy being that is this happening all over Canada and uh, Alaska. There was a freedom convoy held in support of the Canadian truckers. The freedom convoy happened on Sunday. It was organized by an assembly member in Canada. And more than 100 drivers and trucks and personal vehicles traveled from a part, uh, sporting goods store in Anchorage to the Eagle River Alaska Lions Club. And there was a second convoy that also uh, uh, has some events scheduled. And there was another rally that happened in Juneau on January 29th. So this is starting to spread, but you're seeing it more, as I said, in in Alaska, I would be surprised. Well, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if they started here um, in the lower 48. Um, but as as you start to see mask mandates drop, especially for kids in school, you're starting to see that happen in New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware. Recently, those were just announced. And it's, it's, isn't it funny in New Jersey, they're not dropping it till the beginning of March because apparently COVID still hangs and needs time to pack up its bags. So the month of February, you still have to remain masked in school. Just in case COVID is hanging around, there's any laggards, you know, we can get rid of them. So that by March, COVID is gone. This, that's so dumb. Why not just make it now? Why are we waiting till March? I don't understand that. So as I said, GoFundMe, and we all know, uh, removed the Canadian trucker fundraiser. And initially they were going to, they said, well, you can request your money back and you have to jump through these hoops and you have to do it by February 15th. And what you don't get, we're donating to charity. And uh, there was such an outcry about that that they um, they decided. It's so interesting to me that they have done this. And, you know, John, if you use their their actions and say that is their logic and they're saying well you can't have this on our site because it causes disruption well then you would think they would be pulling down every blm organization or affiliated organization but that is not what is happening and we know that gofundme corporately gave to blm when those protests were taking place and the violence was carried out in cities it caused deaths it cost 
I think about a half billion dollars worth of destruction in these cities. So they are very subjective. And I will say this, it is why we need some non-discrimination language that will be in the governance and the legislation we're going to pass dealing with these big tech companies. And I have mixed emotions about that because I believe if you're a baker and you don't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding or whatever it happens to be, you shouldn't be forced to do it because really it's not a hardship. You can walk down the street and go get a cake made from another baker. It's simple. I, I don't know of any towns in which you can't travel to another bakery and get the cake made that you want. But you can't go. There are very few options to go with social media because these giants, they're huge behemoths. There aren't a lot of other options. And when other options come up, like Parler, they get together to take that one down. So they don't, there's no competition. They're monopolies. It sounds familiar. And it's the government's job to break up monopolies. But I, so I think there's a difference between a bakery in a small town and GoFundMe, which is this huge giant. And I never like GoFundMe anyway because they take a portion of the money. I think it's 5% of the money, and it depends on what it's for, and sometimes they don't take any. But I'd rather just, you know, if it's a friend or something like that, I'm like, I'll write you a check, dude. I'd rather you get the whole thing than give a, a part of it to them. Uh, she also, she, here's a little bit more of Marsha Blackburn uh, talking on Sunday on Fox Report about GoFundMe. They are very subjective in what they monitor, what they censor, how they carry this out. And the actions they've taken against the Freedom Convoy are very discriminatory. They disagree with them. So therefore, they were going to cut them off, which they did. And then they were going to take all that $9 million and use it for charities or groups or something, people that were on their GoFundMe site. Now, fortunately, they're giving that money back and the money is going to the Freedom Convoy through other avenues. This is why you, we have to go in and we have to deal with these big tech companies, these social media platforms, and the way they are conducting themselves in the virtual space. Now, along those lines, four Republican attorneys generals have pledged to investigate the GoFundMe decision to take down the fundraiser for the truckers. You have Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, the Louisiana AG, Jeff Landy, Landry, Texas AG Ken Paxton, and the West Virginia AG Patrick Morrissey. Now, this started, Morrissey, Morrissey was the first one to kick this off, and it started before they announced that they were going to f come up with a way. Originally, they announced they're going to take the money and let the truckers decide the charity to which they were going to donate it. And then there was a blowback about that, and then, you know, eventually we got to the point where they're just going to automatically refund it. So he started that. But I think there does need to be an investigation into this. All right, coming up, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West will be joining us. And, boy, do we have a lot to talk to him about. You don't want to miss it on Fox News Radio. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Welch sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. 
Let's start off, shall we, with General Jack Keane, Chairman of the Institute for the Study of War and Fox News Senior Strategic Analyst, also one of my personal favorites. General, thank you for joining me. Oh, great to be here with you, Mary, and uh, hear your voice again. Uh, wonderful. And also with, uh, with Brian's audience here. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, let, let's talk about what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. We keep hearing that, you know, it's imminent, it's imminent. And now Naval News is reporting that the first part of a Russian Navy amphibious landing ship force, which can carry troops, tanks, and supplies, has entered the Dardanelles, connecting the Mediterranean to the Black Sea. And there's no return because this is so narrow that they ships cannot turn around and go back. So once they go through, they're there. Is this yet is is this just more of a show of force by Putin or does this mean that this is really going to happen? He's really going to invade Ukraine. Well, I don't think we know for sure. I mean, obviously he's made all the preparations to do that and he's bringing in, you know, his naval infantry. Uh, um, I I do think a couple of things. One we're still in a genuine diplomatic phase, um, and and that is being led by President Macron uh, as part of the Normandy format, which was established post-2014 to deal with the conflict that was taking place in eastern Ukraine between uh, the Russian separatists and the Ukrainian military. And out of of that came the Minsk One agreement and then a Minsk Two which was never really implemented. I believe that that is what Macron is trying to do with Putin, is to get him to make some concessions. He's on his way to see Zelensky, the president of uh, Ukraine today, and get him to make some concessions. And possibly, um, if we can come out with some tentative Minsk II agreement, uh, that would be face-saving for Putin, and he'd be able to you know, declare a victory of sorts, I think, and send his troops home. I mean, that's that's very optimistic thinking, uh, but that certainly is is a possibility. Um, so we we do hold out some hope for for a diplomatic uh, solution. Also, I think Putin would favor a solution like that because one of the things he's doing is to separate. Uh, the United States from Europe, and he's had some success at that. You see it with Germany. But Macron himself, who this year is the president of the EU, he just served, I think, for a year or two, um, he he wanted to – he has for some time believed that Europe should look for its own security solutions, not unduly influenced by the United States. Right. And so this initiative that he's taken on is kind of in, in that in that line of thought. And I think Putin actually welcomes that because it diminishes the impact of the United States. I'm not saying he's going to make a deal. That remains to be seen. But there certainly is, is a possi- possibility of that. I also don't think, Mary, that it's likely that he would do a full-out invasion where he would take over the country because – it really isn't in his pattern uh, since he's taken power. I mean, he did go into Georgia in 2008 after President Bush invited Georgia and Ukraine to join NATO, and others did also in Europe. <clears throat> but he, his troops stopped short of the capital. He pulled back and held on to a piece of territory uh, quite removed from the capital and much, and much smaller. 
because he believed he accomplished the mission. And he, he, he he's not seeking ownership of the country. He's really seeking influence over it. He doesn't want to have to deal with all the problems that go on if you take over a, a country. So in 2014, when he annexed Crimea and started his operation in uh, eastern Ukraine, an anti-government, an anti-Russian government was in power then because they ran out his stooge, Yanukovych, and he did not take the country down. He could have if he wanted to. Right. And I think for very much the same reason. He doesn't want it to join NATO, and he wants it not to look to the West, but to look to the East uh, towards Russia. I, the, the second thing that tells me he's not doing a full-out invasion is not just because it's not in his pattern, but he hasn't prepared his population for those kind of increased casualties. He's still telling his population that he doesn't intend to go conduct an invasion, much like he's telling mm-hmm. the international community, but he would do so you know, to stabilize uh, an unstable situation. <clears throat> and, and the other thing is that the forces that everybody's watching that are coming into Belarus, they are a hodgepodge of, of forces from the east and other parts of Russia. They are not a coherent invasion force. He has... He has a coherent invasion force down in the south and east under the command of the 8th Combined Arms Army. But that is not in the right position <clears throat> to take over the whole the whole country. I'm not suggesting the forces in Belarus wouldn't cross the border and conduct some limited operation. They certainly could, right. other than <clears throat> seize the capital. But what is most likely, if he's going to conduct a military uh, invasion, is an invasion into eastern Ukraine where he already is and take more territory there, use that naval infantry uh, to uh, take the coastline, as you mentioned in your introduction as well, and conduct probably a fairly comprehensive cyber attack on the government and its services, its electric grid. Certainly Mm -hmm. he's already reducing the energy flow into Ukraine. He'd probably cut it down and and just try to shut the lights off of it if he could, and hit them financially to seek some political accommodations from the Ukraine government. I mean, he would love the government uh, to go out of power, but I don't see how he could do that without physically taking control of, uh, of the right. capital. So I have a lot of questions, and we, we have like two minutes left. Uh, let me. It's, does this this all goes back, best I can tell, to back to the '90s when Bill Clinton expanded NATO and Putin did. Uh, well, excuse me, Russia did not want that expanded because they wanted some kind of buffer between them and Europe. They and they felt that by expanding NATO, they were being encroached upon, and it was too close for comfort for them. So this goes back to that, and you can see this is, I think, push P- Putin pushing back against that expansion of NATO. So you mentioned that he was talking with Macron Macron, to get some kind of a deal. What would he want in a deal that would make him feel comfortable if it is about the encroachment of NATO? Some legitimacy over the territory in eastern Ukraine, which is where the separatists are fighting, uh, which is recognized by the government of Ukraine, and they could... uh, participate in the political process given that legitimacy i think that's that is something that uh that he would want it and certainly that is something that Zelensky and his predecessors have, have been denying them um and i i think de facto he's really accomplished something that that he wanted to from the outset even though there's no declaration by nato members 
that Ukraine will never become a part of Ukraine. It's well understood now that in the foreseeable future, Ukraine will not become a part of NATO. So Ukraine Ukraine is not are. a part of NATO. Why are we involved in this? I, I get the attack on one is an attack on all. We hear that all the time, but they're not a part of NATO. So why is the U.S. sending troops? Well, first of all, we're not sending troops into Ukraine to fight. Right. We're sending troops to our NATO allies to reassure them because they are nervous, particularly Poland and the Baltic states, which Belarus borders on, given the fact there's 30,000 more troops in there. And some of them are right up against the Polish border, not even looking in the direction uh, of Ukraine. So that that's about reassuring our allies. It, it would not deter Putin one iota from what he's going to do inside Ukraine. I do think Ukraine is in our national interest, though. I mean, this is a this is a European country. It's a fledgling democracy. It has relationships with the West. It wants economic integration, certainly with the West. It's trying to improve its corruption and its, and its state of its government to model itself on the West. We do have relationships with it. And what we have said is while we won't send U.S. troops in to defend Ukraine, we'll provide as much assistance as we can. I think we could have provided actually more than what we are doing to help them defend themselves. And I think letting uh, Russia uh, take over a a fledgling democratic country that has relationships uh, throughout Europe uh, would would be absolutely unacceptable uh, in terms of our own national interests and the Europeans' national interests. That's another reason why I think the all-out invasion is also not on the table because Putin would become an international pariah as a result of just right now being a strong uh, bully to take over a country much like took place uh, prior to World War II, which precipitated World War II. We haven't seen anything quite like that since then, would would, would really uh, put uh, Russia in a different category than they are now. Yeah, I, we, they gave me a couple more minutes, so I, could, I have a couple more questions for you if I can get them in here. Uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline we keep hearing about, and this is why Germany Germany sent them like sent Ukraine like 5,000 used helmets. They're really kind of, I think, riding the fence here. They're not really fully committing. We saw that with um, the, the after the meeting with um, President Biden and the uh, Chancellor of Germany, uh, Schultz. You wrote a piece uh, for Fox News, and you also uh, were talked about this, that the Nord Stream 2 isn't a big deal in this whole crisis, at least not for Putin. So it's a bigger deal for Germany, and Putin knows that. Why isn't it a big deal for him? Well, I, I think it, it is in the long term of things. I mean, certainly uh, he wants the access to that pipeline uh, for many years to come. Uh, it financially and economically, it means a lot to him. But geopolitically, it gives him leverage over not just Germany, but Europe uh, as well, because he can weaponize it, as we've seen. But it, it just dealing with this crisis and putting blinders on it. Uh, Nord Stream 2, yes or no, would not de- deter Putin one way or the other, because he, he doesn't have any income from it now. He's getting it from all the other pipelines that lead in, that lead into Europe. Mm-hmm. It's something that would be out there in the future, and I think, I think we're making too much of it uh, in the United States. Listen, uh, Biden certainly never 
should have removed the waivers and the and the sanctions that were not, excuse me the sanctions that were on Nord Stream two that Trump had uh, imposed on them. That's for sure. I, I do believe that Germany, you know, they they want economic ties with Russia and they're willing to put their own security and that of Europe a bit at risk to achieve it. Kind of like uh, what we've done with China economically. You know, we helped reform it. Thinking political reform would follow, it didn't. But I think, I think behind closed doors, the chancellor has told Biden, you know, that he would, he would not activate it if Russia invades. He does, he's not saying that um, directly to his own people and to the international community. I, I think he's wrong in not making that declaration. But that's that's the weakness of where Germany is today. But I do think we do make too much out of it because there's no we're not cutting down any resources that he has right now and in and of itself i don't think it has much of any deterrence on him now economically going after russia's major central banks and going after putin and the oligarchs that surround him and shutting down all investment going into russia and import tech and export technology coming out of the united states that is very significant impact on him yeah, well, we we know that Joe Biden uh, doesn't have a stellar record as far as any kind of leadership on an international front, and they view him as weak. And Putin is is like a shark; he sees chum in the water. He sees a weak enemy, and he's he's going to go after them after him, which is why I think all of this is happening now. But I'm glad we had the chance to speak with you about this because you saying I don't think there's going to be a full out invasion, which is I, I think that that's really important to to hear because that's what the Ukrainians are saying like we're okay you know don't stop making such a big deal out of this we're trying to live our lives as usual we live with this threat all the time we can handle it and the u.s and europe is is screaming about you know imminent invasion imminent invasion so it's good to know that so i'm really glad that we we got to speak with you today to hear that general jack Keane, thank you again it's always a pleasure when i get to speak with you and you yeah. have a great week yeah a limited invasion not an all-out invasion is right likely. But okay. something that they can handle, a limited invasion. They seem yeah, to be yeah. th- feel that they can handle that, which I guess we'll find out if they can. So. Okay, great talking to Mary. You too. Thank you so much. If you want to join in, 866-408-7669, 866-408-7669. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. We were just joined by uh, General Jack Keane, and we were talking about uh, Ukraine and Russia and what's happening there and what Putin really wants out of this. And this whole Nord Stream 2 pipeline, I think the general made a really good point when he said that, you know, Putin's not getting money for this right now. And he's got enough money flowing in from oil deals with countries all over the world. It's really more of a deal, an issue for Germany. And he seems to think that behind the scenes, the German chancellor is saying that and said that to Joe Biden yesterday. We don't know because publicly he didn't say anything. So there's a buildup. We now know that there are uh, ships that are capable of land land invasion, you know, making uh, landings on, on shores. Uh, and they're coming through on their way to through the Bosporus on their way to um, 
Ukraine. And how big of a deal is that? And he seems to think that maybe there may be some incursion into Ukraine, but it's not going to be a full-blown attack where we're going to see them go to the capital and, and take over Ukraine. And the general made a good point. He said, you know, there's a lot of problems that come, come with taking over a country that doesn't want to be taken over, and Putin may not want to deal with that. And I think those are all excellent points I know I hadn't thought of. 866-408-7669. Let's head to Los Angeles and talk to Barry. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello. So, you know, this started last week when Biden or when his they're announcing that, you know, Kiev would crash in less than three days or whatever. Yes. This is all this is all playing Biden's telling saying this because it only helps him. He's, it's a no lose situation for him. He screwed up Afghanistan so bad he needs something. So. If Russia does invade, he's like, oh, well, we told you it was going to happen. If Russia doesn't invade, he's like, oh, well, we stopped him. It's, I mean, it's just – it's obvious what Biden's doing. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Russia's not going to invade, but it's – that you know, Biden's just using all this to his political advantage right now. So, okay, all right. Now, I had not thought of this, so I'm glad you bring this up because I had not thought of this point. So what you're saying is to detract from Afghanistan, which, by the way, I have to tell you, I think most people forgot about because the media swept it under the rug dutifully for Joe Biden, that this gives them something else to talk about. And look at how great Joe Biden is handling this. He's being forceful. He's sending troops you know, to Poland. And just in case he's showing Putin a big show of force here to make him look good. Which is something, Barry, thank you for that. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I, 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 but I also, like I said, I kind of think most people have forgotten about Afghanistan, sadly, because the media swept it under the rug. They're not blaring it from, you know, the rafters. So I think that that's part of what's going on there, right? More of your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. I'm just going to quickly go to one call here uh, on Ukraine, and then we're moving on to the economy. So, Doug, listening on KLIN in Lincoln, Nebraska, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. Um, my question is, is, how much do you think this is tied to Hunter? He might still have interest in the petroleum companies that are stationed in the Ukraine. You know, I wish I had more time uh, with General Jack Keane because I wanted to ask him about that because you think the same way I do. Ever since I've been hearing this, I'm like, oh, come on. Joe Biden's ties through Hunter to the Ukraine. We all saw when he challenged, you know, challenged them to, to fire the investigator that was um, investigating the company that his son was sitting on the board of, of Burisma, and, and, and said, we're going to you know, basically blackmail them. If you don't do this, we're withholding your money, a quid pro quid pro quo, or as Sean Hannity calls it, quid pro Joe. Uh, you know, why is no one asking that question? Yeah, and that's that's where I think it's probably what a lot of this is about. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree, and I'm so glad you brought that up, Doug. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's something to think about when you hear all of this. And I don't know if we'll ever find out because I don't know if Republicans are gutsy enough or will ever investigate any of this stuff. Hunter's laptop, all that. Uh, You see the New York Times going after them. And looking, doing uh, discovery 
on Hunter's laptop, but I don't know if that goes anywhere. I just don't. And I have my doubts. Let's, let's talk about the economy. And, and I had went out to dinner on Saturday night with my brother and his girlfriend and um, my husband's cousin and his wife. And we, they both know each, each one of those other couples knows someone who recently bought a car and paid above the sticker price. And the dealerships are asking above sticker, like, yeah, the sticker says this, but we're charging, we're getting five grand above the sticker price, like horrible time to buy a car. And I was shocked. I'm like, what do you mean they paid above the sticker price? Who pays above the sticker price? Well, apparently if you need or want a new car right now, you're going to be paying above the sticker price because there aren't a lot of cars out there to be had. You know, you may not get the color you want. You may not get all the options you want. You may not uh, be able to get the actual car the, that you want, the model that you want. And in line with that, you've got gas prices raising. It's incredible. My husband and I were out running errands on Friday. We drove past this one gas station and my husband says, I swear they change every time I go by this gas station, it's the price is higher and higher and higher. And sure enough, we go past and it was three dollars and thirty thirty-five cents or whatever. And when we came home hours later, it was three forty-five. It just keeps going up. And now there is a survey of over two thousand adults, and it was done by it was conducted November twenty twenty-one. But then they t- they crunched this information. They compared it to other information that was done by other surveys, and they find that it's getting harder and harder for people to save money. Shocking, isn't that weird? Seven in ten Americans say they are now living paycheck to paycheck. Seven out of ten, seventy percent of Americans say that they are living paycheck to paycheck. 63% say that they don't see themselves reaching a level of financial security that will allow them to live the lifestyle they want. Now I heard that and I'm like, well, welcome to the swimming pool, kids. We all, when you're young, you're like, oh, my life's going to be this and I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to do that. And then reality sets in somewhere along the line, you know, like in your mid forties and you start to realize, wow, so this is as good as it's going to get. I'm kind of like at the peak of my career, maybe one or two more promotions, tops, After that, it's all downhill to retirement. Wow. And it's an eye-opening experience. So I'm curious to hear from you, 866-408-7669. How inflation is affecting you? You know, when you see it at the pump, when my husband, if he gets half a tank of gas, he's filling the car up because he knows if he waits till it's lower, it's going to be more expensive in a couple of days. So he, he will, um, He'll fill up right away. Friends of ours just bought um, an, an electric vehicle. Now, I have to tell you, these electric vehicles you got to plug in, eh, I don't know, because you're paying for the electricity. And, and like my state, New Jersey, because Murphy is in charge, Lord help us, you know, he wants to get rid of natural gas in New Jersey. You know, no more houses, new houses being built won't be able to have gas uh, heating. They won't be able to have a, a natural gas used for cooking. Everything's got to be electric. Yet in the state of New Jersey, something like 80 to 90 percent of electricity is generated through nuclear power. And they don't like that either. So it's, excuse me, no, not through nuclear, excuse me, through natural gas. That's it. I knew that was wrong. It, through natural gas. So you're still using natural gas. 
So it's ridiculous. So I want to talk to you about being able to save money. Let's hear it. Are you able to save money? Um, I think a lot of people are in this predicament now because they're like, wow, we have to raise wages. Okay, you raise wages to $15 minimum or whatever your state raised it to because that's going to help people make ends meet because a family of four can't live on minimum wage. There's a whole lot wrong with that thinking. But then the price of everything goes up. And guess what? Even though you're making $15 an hour now compared to whatever you were making before, you still can't afford anything because things are more expensive. So I want to hear about how inflation is affecting your family. Where are you seeing it? How much is it hurting you? And and what you're doing. I mean, if you take another job, apparently there's a lot of jobs out there that nobody wants because we have an entire generation that just doesn't want to work now. I don't know how they're making ends meet. I don't know how I don't know how that's happening for them. I mean, I'm considering getting another job. I'm like, I'll just go get another full time job, you know, um, or part time job, whatever, to make to make, you know, a little a little extra cash. 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. Now I said that we went out to dinner on Saturday. And that's another thing that got super expensive. Have you noticed? I bought a pizza. Listen to this. I bought a pizza last Wednesday. And this is this special pizza. We only get it a couple of times a year. It's made by this uh, pizzeria that's here from Brooklyn. And it's a spinach artichoke cream pie. And it's to die for. The first time we had it, our friends brought it over. And it was one pie. They only make large for four people. I said, how's this going to work? It, it weighed like five pounds. It, it has a really high crust on the side, thin on the bottom because it's, it's, it's like Alfred, it's a cheese cream and spinach and, and artichokes. So good. And it was $23. So I get it like a couple of times a year when I go past the pizzeria, I'll order ahead and I'll get it. It's a treat. I bought it this time. It was $28. It went up $5 and it was the thinnest little thing you've ever seen. So they cut back on what they put in it and they raised the price by $5. So my husband's like, well, give it one more shot. If it's this way, we're never getting this again. So pizza, a $28 pizza. That's insane. 866-408-7669. You have Ford cutting down production at eight at factories. Starting, they started doing this yesterday. Because of a shortage of computer chips. So there isn't as big of a demand for the product because there's no computer chips. So people who may have just, you know, gotten a new car, not because they needed it, but because they wanted it, they're, um, they're not going to buy a new car now, right? My husband's like, yeah, I would like to replace this car. This one car we have. It's like, it's, it's, we bought it in 2013. So it's coming up on 10 years old, still chugging along. He said, yeah, I might want to replace it, but I'm not doing it now. I'm not paying above list. Let's head to Virginia. Ashby, you are on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. So how is it affecting you? Well, it's, uh, you know, we're we're a plumbing contractor. We're, we're busy as, you know, ever, but uh, just you know, kind of looking forward at it, uh, looking at numbers from last year compared to this year. I mean, we're literally paying three to four times as much for basic materials, raw materials like pipe, fittings, uh, things of that nature. So, you know, uh, everybody's bids have had to go up, which uh, seems to be sustainable at the moment. But, you know, looking forward, banks only loan so much money on the house. And so, like you were talking about people paying above sticker price for vehicles. I mean, that's what they're doing now for homes. Yes, yeah, they are. People, You're right. Yeah, people coming in with fifty, sixty thousand, a hundred thousand dollar contingency offers, 
uh, paying well above market value to the point to where what's your average American that uh, that is not doesn't have the ability to offer above market value that much? What are they going to do? Uh, you know that, that that's a that's a slippery, scary slope. I don't think it's sustainable for the long run. I may be wrong. I just don't see that sustainable in the long run. That can only go on for so long before it all comes crashing down. At least that's that's what I think. I and I could be wrong, but you can only have inflation in house prices before people just tap out, and then you're going to start to see homes not being sold, and that's when it all starts to you know even out again. Ashby, you're you're so right. And by the way, Ashby, thank you for joining me. But at, do you know that plumbers, at least in my area, make more per hour than doctors? Hand to got you. It depends on what kind of doctor, and they're not going to make more than a surgeon. But like your average run-of-the-mill specialist type doctor, you know, like an ear doctor, an eye doctor, you know, lung doctor, that type of thing, they make more per hour than they do, than, than those doctors do. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Let's quickly go to Jerry in Florida, listening on WSKY. Hi, Jerry. Hi, good morning, ma'am. I just wanted to let you know I own six uh, bread delivery routes in North Central Florida, and due to the considerable increase of gas prices, it's costing me about a thousand more dollars per week to fill the tanks in my six trucks. Whoa, uh, this a thousand has impacted a week. me. This has impacted me because diesel now is over four dollars, which may not be a lot in other areas of the state, such as the Northeast or the the West Coast, but it's up over a dollar twenty-five, and you know these these trucks, they have thirty to forty gallon gas tanks, you know fuel tanks, and so I, I'm I'm working a part-time job just to kind of, kind of keep up on the treadmill of life, if you will. I mean, I, I personally believe that this is done intentionally, because they see uh, large V8 vehicles as contributing to climate uh, change, and they right. really want to control. This is a, this is an attempt, in my opinion, to control what the consumers buy and try to shift us towards either mass transit, shift our behavior to mass transit or electric vehicles. Yeah, that, that's a great point. But again, the irony and the hypocrisy of all of that is, is that in many places, electricity is, is made generated through gas, natural gas. And, and so you're, you're kind of, I don't know. It just seems to be hypocritical when you say, oh, but, but electricity is clean energy. Well, it's no cleaner than natural gas. And in some places, it's generated with coal, which, by the way, has become very clean in this country. Jerry, good luck with that. I don't know how long you can keep that up. And maybe he's right. Maybe this is being done purposely to try to change American habits. But we were through this in the 70s, right? Wasn't it the 70s with Jimmy Carter and the gas lines and people lining up to buy gas? And it didn't change anything then either. So I don't, I don't think it changes it that much in this country. I could be wrong. 866-408-7669. I'll get more of your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Mary Welter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, and we're talking about how inflation is affecting you. And, you know, there's shortages, too. you got forward curbing vehicle production because of chip shortages. You go to the grocery store now, there are empty shelves. It's like, why can't I? I, I tried to get, um, 
I was trying to get, get cups or play out oh, hot drink cups, you know, like the, the cardboard, you know, the hard drink cups. And I couldn't get them. They were out. They were gone. The, the shelf was empty. I was like, well, there was a run on drink drinking cups for coffee, disposable ones. Really? 866-408-7669. Let's head to Florida. Emily, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. So how are you? How's it affecting you? Okay. So um, I do hospice home health. Um, I am, I fill up two to three times a week. Um, and there are, I, and I've taken on a second job also to kind of, you know, cover other expenses, but, um, there's, there's been weeks where I don't even know if I'm going to have enough money to put gas in my car to get to work, to do my job. Um, my company that I work for has given us a little bit more money per mile. We used to get 44 cents. We now get 50 cents. Um, but with, gas steadily going up right you know it it just doesn't help and i drive a little tiny kia um you know two years ago it was 25 dollars to fill up i'm looking at 48 dollars now wow three times a week yes so and i also make a little tiny more than maybe you know whoever's making 15 bucks an hour you know i make 15.90 an hour so it it makes it, it it there's some days where you wonder if it's worth what you're doing right and that see that sentence right there it makes you wonder whether it's worth it I almost think as if that's part of it because the more people that sit home on unemployment or on you know with rent forgiveness and the government's helping you with all your problems and meeting all of your needs for you people don't want to work but then you're also dependent on the government and to me ultimately that's the point that's the ultimate in control is if they're if, if you're dependent on them and I think that that's part of it. Emily, thank you for sharing your story because I, I think that there are quite a few people who are in the same boat. But to the previous caller's uh, comment about this, you know, trying to change our habits, trying to force us into, you know, buying electric vehicles and all that. When I was commuting to Washington, D.C., every week I did, I drove eight hours, one, four hours down on Friday, on Sunday, four hours back on Friday. I bought a hybrid. So it's gas and it it generates electricity. I have to plug it in. And I will say for driving around town, it's great. If you, if you drive the car properly, you can get over 50 miles to a gallon. When I fill the car up, I, my, you know, my tank will take me over 600 miles, but it's not a plug-in hybrid. And I would buy another one of those in a heartbeat. And I was thinking of Emily. I'm like, wow, that's perfect for her. She's in the perfect situation for that type of car. But you can't buy one now because there's a shortage of vehicles because there's a shortage of chips. So now you're going to pay far. You're going to pay above the the sticker price for a car. Let's head to New York and talk to Raphael and WABC. Raphael, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Hey, how you doing? How's everything? I'm doing good. How is it in New York? Ah, it's a battle. Every single day, it's a battle. You know, I wanted to comment on that last comment that you're talking about, how they're they're forcing us to change our habits. Because I talk to people. I'm a, I'm a small business contractor. We do interior uh, construction and commercial spaces. And I talk to everybody every day. I'm like, why are they stretching out this thing for so long? And it's it's exactly what you said. It's about changing our habits. I'm I'm thinking that they're guessing that the longer they keep us in in this one stagnant position, you know, people would conform. But I tell people all the time, do not quit. Do not stop. Because that's what they want. They want us to go from us being, you know, productive and manufacturing and commercial to, to, to this whole new green, 
you know, deal that they, you know, the, the green jobs. And I'm saying to myself, well, what's going to happen between now and the green jobs? In between, there's a transition state. What, what's going to happen? And I, and I tell people all the time, we got to keep fighting. I know it's three more years of this idiotic system that's in place right now, but we got to keep fighting and we got to keep doing what we got to do. But, you know, that's yeah. what we're here. And I, I agree with you, and I don't mean to cut you off, but we're up against the clock here, Raphael, so keep fighting. But here's the thing, people. If you're unhappy, maybe stop doing what you've been doing all along. Maybe think about a candidate that's not a member of your party, whether that's Democrat or Republican or whatever it happens to be. Maybe open your mind a little bit to voting for someone who is outside of your party if you're unhappy with the direction in which the country's going or your state or city is going. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Yes, I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Let's talk about your personal finances, inflation, the economy, and how all of that is stacking up against you. Or are you making it work? Have you taken a second job? Have you tried to buy a car lately? I had a revelation on Saturday night out with friends uh, who know two people. One of them was her mom, and her mom insisted on buying a new car. And she's like, Mom, don't buy it. It's a bad time to buy a new car. Dealers are asking above sticker price, and her mom went up paying over $5,000 above sticker for the car. It's, it's like land, or it's like buying, buying a house. You're going to pay above I, – I, I go on Zillow and um, Redfin. I go on these different sites just, just to look in different areas, just to see what's happening. And I'll see something that didn't sell, and it's still on the market, but they've increased the price. I'm like, so it didn't sell at a lower price, but you've just increased the price to like $25,000. And now you think it's going to sell. I'm like, well, I guess, you know, good for you. People are getting crazy amounts of money. There's a house across the street from us, diagonally across the street. This house sold for three million, uh, excuse me, the house sold for four, three, three million dollars. I think it was three million dollars. And they're tearing it down and they're building another house on the property. So it's going to be like another two million. Where are these people getting this money? And if you do, going back to the cars, if you want to buy a car, Ford just announced that they started curbing vehicle production yesterday uh, at, at eight factories. Chicago, Michigan, uh, Mexico, Kentucky, Illinois, Dearborn, Kansas, because they can't get enough chips to make enough cars. So that's going to drive and trucks that is going to drive the demand up even further. 866-408-7669. Let's go to WABC out on Long Island. Bob, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Bob? Going once. No, Bob's not there. Okay, Bob, see, look at that. You missed your shot at fame and fortune. Uh, in Michigan, in Trevor City, Al, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hello. Hi. Hey, I heard, you caught my attention. We talked about 20 bucks for a pizza. I, I work all around the world, and back in 2016, I was in some plants in Venezuela. I paid $28 for a pizza, but it was an 8-inch pizza. Whoa, so it was like a little personal pizza. Exactly. I paid 25 bucks for a Big Mac, and the but, prices were still going up. And this was in Venezuela? Venezuela. 
So all, all the inflation we're seeing right now is, is a pure result of the socialist policies, which is exactly what they had down there. Un, unbelievable socialist uh, policies. Talk about paying too much for a uh, overpaying on a sticker price for a car. In Venezuela, all of the dealer lots were empty. There's no cars in the showroom. You can expect to pay three times the sticker price for a car. You order whatever you want. You pay up front. You wait six to ten months, and you get whatever shows up in the, sto- in the showroom, or you wait for the next car. These are the mm-hmm. kinds of conditions that are out there in socialist environments. So if, if the conspiracy part of me was working this morning and I just happened to get my tinfoil hat out of the closet and I polish it up and I put it on, I say, wow, so, you know, they're telling us that, you know, they're trying to gaslight us by telling us that inflation is good because it means that people are out spending and people want products. And so this is good because it's opportunity and demand and, 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 and telling us that not being able to find things on the grocery store shelves are good. Could this just be trying to slow walk us or trying to slowly raise the, the gas up on the pot of water that we're sitting in right now to get us to accept these types of policies, to get us to accept shortages and things that we've never seen before in this country? Very much so. That's exactly what uh, – because I spoke with a lot of people down when I was in Venezuela, and they said the same thing. Taxation and policies are tools of social engineering. Inflation is simply the result. Uh, Your previous caller said they're they're increasing inflation to try to change your behavior. No, they're increasing taxes, and they're uh, changing policies to change your behavior. The result of that is everything costs more. So inflation is simply the result. Well, we've gone through inflation before, and we didn't, you know, wind up. But I guess it was a step closer to socialism that the inflation, you know, like during during Jimmy Carter, brought us to a step closer to socialism. You know, what's amazing, and thank you, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate that, Al. Because um, again, if my conspiracy hat was on, I would think that. But um, it, it's so interesting because the people who who voted for Joe Biden are so quiet about all of this. Because they didn't like Trump. I know a lot of people who are just never Trumpers didn't like him, so they either didn't vote or voted for Joe Biden. And they're very quiet about what's going on right now, and I find that very interesting. Part of what is happening right now is increased in crime. You know, just our cities are not safe. You take your life in your hands. People, a guy in Philadelphia just went to go take care of his mom, dropped some food off for his mom, gets in his car, and he's just shot dead in the street, and they take his car. They just shoot him. They don't even just take the car, shoot him, kill him, and and off they go. It's happening everywhere. And you got to get to the, you know, we talk about the root causes with Kamala Harris going to the border. That always comes to mind for me. But I think for a lot of this, you have to look at the root cause. And someone who is doing that is Pastor Corey Brooks. He's a CEO with Project Hood, and he's a senior pastor at New Beginnings Church in Chicago. Pastor, thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on today. Now, this is your 80th day of 100 on the roof. Is today 80 or 81? No, today is day 81. And uh, I mean, no, excuse me, day 80. I'm getting confused, but today is day 80. So I got 20 more days to go. Now, uh, of course, people are familiar with what you're doing because you have garnered a lot of publicity, which is fantastic and was the point of all this. And you can also, if you don't know, you can follow him on uh, foxnews.com under his rooftop revelations. And... So many of those revelations are just, I think, such great reading, especially for young people and parents should really print them out or send their kids to that to the foxnews.com webpage to read it. But you're trying to draw attention to, to the crime in Chicago. And by doing that, you're looking at the kids because these are the ones who wind up committing the crimes. A lot of them start out very young committing some of these crimes. We see ki- teenagers, young teens, 13, 14 years old, um, getting popped for committing some very, very heinous 
heinous crimes. So I guess the overall, my first question is, what type of reception are you getting from the neighborhood by drawing attention to this? Well, the neighbors are appreciative. You know, everyone in our neighborhood understands that we have a serious gang problem and that we have a serious problem of um, crime. And so anything that we can do in this neighborhood with the residents as it relates to bringing awareness of the crime and alleviating it, getting rid of it, um, they're very appreciative. However, you know, um, the gangs uh, I've had to talk with and conference with and have meetings with because they need a little bit more understanding. But when they understand that I'm not after them, I'm not trying to the, uh, put them in jail, but I'm trying to redirect their lives and give them something to transform their lives, then they understand how important it is. And so it's about creating options, alternatives, and opportunities uh, for people that normally would not have them. So now part of me almost thinks that the federal government and state and local government is working against everything you're trying to do, because I look at the the number of gangs and criminals that are allowed to come across the border. We didn't know MS-13 in this country before Barack Obama opened up the borders. You've got you've got kids being trafficked across borders. You've got uh, sex predators being trafficked across the borders, and they settle into these cities in the poorer neighborhoods and victimize those people. You've got Joe Biden now allocating money to to legalize um, drug use uh, by the federal government condoning this by giving this money to these nonprofits who then are now allowing crack pipe clean crack pipes and needles and and a safe place to do it and giving them food and everything else we're normalizing crime those centers aren't located in Nancy Pelosi's neighborhood they're not located in Lori Lightfoot's neighborhood they're located in your neighborhood so are are people making a connection to how they're being, I think, they're being used as pawns to further this crime agenda disorder in the streets in order to take control? Yeah, the statement I'm getting ready to make, I'm getting ready to make it now. I am a conservative, I am a Republican, so when I make this statement, I want that to be understood. Um, but this just didn't start. We've been having issues with our community and government for a long, long time, uh, from the 60s and their uh, policies and uh, that they've uh, failed with and put them in place. We've, uh, we, we've been failing from Ronald Reagan introducing drugs from Iran-Contra. We, we, that's been an issue as well. And so now here we are, years removed, and now we have these democratic liberal policies that are doing just the same thing that has been done for years to our community. All these policies have failed us, ruined our educational system, and uh, a lot of other things. But we can't allow ourselves to be victims. We have to say, listen, we can change this. We can do something about it. But I want everybody to understand that government has not been fair to our community, nor uh, to a lot of people in America. That's the reason why I don't trust government at all. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I think that some of the policies that are being put in place at, by right now, as you said, now it's it's the left that's doing it, are just downright racist, you know, saying that, you know, African-Americans aren't smart enough to be able to get an ID you know, to vote. Yeah. So therefore, we have to change the rules that. for them. I'm like, really? That's pretty racist. Yeah, yeah I agree that I agree wholeheartedly with that, that some of the policies that some of the policies that we're experiencing right now, uh, some of the policies that we're doing right now. Uh, that we're seeing right now are are, are very, uh, in the ideology of it, it it's kind of racist. The fact that people believe that we don't have uh, the capacity or the wherewithal to be able to do for ourselves and that we need them to somehow give uh, us help and lower the standard and lower the expectations, um, that is just as racist as if someone had put on a hood.
so now let's talk about your program. So, so what is it that you are trying to get across? Like you're, you're raising funds for this. You're up on the roof for a hundred days in order to bring attention to this, to this problem, which I think is great. Are, are you looking for a cultural change in the African-American community in the inner cities? Oh, without a doubt. It's all about uh, bringing about transformation and bringing change. Um, we cannot continue to allow um, the educational system that we have, where we only have 4% of kids reading at proficiency, 6% at math proficiency. We cannot continue to allow, have 80% of our households, uh, single-parent households without fathers. There are a lot of issues that we need to address, and we need to stop sweeping under the carpet as a community. And we need to address them. We need to do something about them. So that's the reason why we started Project Hood, uh, so that we can address these very issues that we're faced with in our community, so that we can do something about the transformation of lives. Because it is a cultural change. It's a cultural shift that needs to happen. It's a paradigm shift that needs to happen, not just in Chicago, um, but we're seeing these issues arise all across America in these urban centers. And it's very unfortunate because I think that people are forgetting that this is America, and, and these urban centers are just as American as um, anywhere else. And, and mm-hmm. because it's America, we need to do something about it. We, we need to make our country better. And one of the ways we make it better is making it better in the inner city. Now, how do you plan on doing that? What is your, your goal once you're, once you're done with this, you brought attention to us, you've raised funds, what's the next step? Well, um, thank, that's a great question. The next step is to build this center. Uh, where we can continue to 10x our program, uh, where we're teaching construction and the trades, where we're teaching hospitality and culinary arts, where we're providing trauma counseling for those who have been victims of violence, uh, where we're doing media and technology, where we're offering um, STEM STEM, uh, classes and coding, a lot of different things to transform the community. But we believe that once we've done this, that we can scale this same type of uh, program and take it to inner cities where they're having these same issues and begin to help them to turn around also. Like when you're talking about Philadelphia and St. Louis and Memphis and L.A., places where they're having problems, we believe that we can help change that, but we got to do it here first. Yeah, well, we got to talk with King Randall in Georgia, who is what, 20 some odd years old, started this program, much like what you're talking about for young boys to, to learn that they have a sense of purpose, that there's something that they can do. And, and I think that that's very important. But I guess my question is, you know, we've seen these centers crop up throughout, you know, generation after generation in neighborhoods. Why is the time now? What is different now? The time is now because people are becoming more aware of um, the fallacy of a lot of the policies that have been in, in play and how they're not working and how 50 years of failed policy has put us in a predicament to where we are now. And people are realizing that people are waking up to that. And they want to do something about it. And so we believe that we provide opportunities for people who, who are really conscious, who, who really want to do something about it, unlike some organizations like Black Lives Matter, who, who they talk about all of these issues and problems, but they never do any of the grassroots work. Matter, matter of fact, when it comes to uh, even being transparent with their finances, we don't even know where those finances are, but yet they're using the pain of a community right. to take in millions of dollars and not do anything. So. We believe in putting in the work. We believe in doing it, and that's yeah. what it's all about. Very quickly, just just like a 10-second response, have any politicians yes. been to visit you? Uh, we've had all the candidates for the Republican uh, governor to come and visit, and we appreciate that. And uh, we're going to continue to invite everyone to the rooftop. Um, right. So 
So I'm very appreciative. And, and people can find out more about what we do on projecthood.org. Project I was Hood. just going to give that out. Projecthood.org, <laughs> H-O-O-D, all one word. And also you can read his rooftop revelations at foxnews.com. Yeah. Pastor Corey Brooks, got to run. Thank you so much. And uh, keep up the I good work. It. Have a great week. God bless. Your calls, 866-408-7669. Coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. Uh, we're wrapping up some calls here about the economy and talking about how inflation is affecting you for, for everything. If you want to rent an apartment, rents are going sky high. Prop, homes selling above asking price. Cars selling above list price. You can't get certain things in stores. I have never seen in my lifetime seen empty shelves the way you're seeing empty shelves. And, you know, I remember people saying, Biden is going to make us Venezuela. Biden's going to make us Venezuela. And all the people on the left and all the never Trumpers are like, oh, stop it. You're being you're crazy. And they poo pooed everything. You go to the stores now in some places and depending on what the product is, the shelves are empty. It's gone. I, somebody, a friend of mine posted a picture of where the poultry was supposed to be in his grocery store. There was nothing there. And I, my Biden supporting friends or anti-Trump friends are been very quiet lately. So how is it affecting you? 866-408-7669. Ray in Daytona, Florida, listening on WDBO. Hi, Ray. Hi, Mary. Great show today. Thank I'm you. a senior citizen and a former Jer- South Jersey boy. My wife and I moved out of Jersey in 71, so we've been in Florida a long time. But I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about inflation and also about cars. So. Well, you don't have a lot of time. We've got to make it quick because we have literally a minute. Oh, okay. Okay, inflation as a senior citizen, you just ain't going to make it on Medicare and everything being raised. But when 68, I was a credit manager in a department store in Hamilton, New Jersey, in Melville, and I was making $125 a week. And we, my wife and I, we got married 53 years ago. We could afford a house, a phone, food, and and a car that was two years old. Today, you can't do it. A friend of mine had a Tesla four years old, had to get it replaced, the battery, and it was $17 installation in the battery. I mean, this has just gotten so ridiculous. And then I watched the PBS show the other night where this couple rented a, um, a van and went from Munich, Germany, down into Italy and back. And because of the electric stations, they couldn't always hook up and the charges. And when they went in the mountains, you didn't get 200, 300 miles per mile. So somebody needs to check all this stuff out. So yeah. I'm just trying to warn you. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. I don't mean to be rude, but we got to run. Uh, and one of the reasons we money doesn't go as far as taxes, a greater portion of your income goes to taxes now. Coming up, masking, to mask or not to mask. And is your life getting back to normal as far as all those COVID restrictions that's coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show? The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
our advice to every school district is to abide by public health guidelines. It continues to be at this point uh, that the CDC is advising that masks can delay, reduce transmission. There are also a number of other mitigation measures that we've put in place, but that continues to be CDC guidance. It's always been up to school districts. That's always been our point of view and always been our policy from here. Uh, and our policy from the federal government is to continue to advise everybody to abide by public health guidelines. Ah, it was Jen Psaki yesterday. Yeah, the White House still insists it's still Biden's recommendation for students to wear masks. We have to follow the science. Yet I continually hear, well, the science has changed. The science has changed. The science has changed. I'm pretty sure that um, the science hasn't changed. I think that's a bad way to say it. Like We've been following the science all along when they really clearly haven't been following the science all along. We still give no credence whatsoever to acquired immunity to people who had COVID. I think it was Johns Hopkins just came out with a study. I think it was the second, it's the second one I've seen. There was one that was done overseas where they've been tracking people who had COVID and they, they've been tracking them to see the antibodies in their blood system. 20 months later, these people still have more antibodies in their blood than you do from getting the vaccine. And, and I'm a big fan of you do you. I don't care if you're a believer in the vaccine, go for it. I, that's fine with me. You want to get boosted? Get boosted if it makes you feel better, if that's what you believe. I believe that we should get the information without a political spin from either side, and we get to make that decision with our doctors. Imagine that. Shock and horror. I'm such a radical. But we should, be, we should be seeing these things. So I don't think that the science changes. I just think that some of the science was ignored for political reasons. That's just me. That's my cynicism. So um, we, we are now seeing, though, that this is all slowly being rolled back. The big one came uh, yesterday. Actually, yeah, yesterday. With the governor of New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy, the man who campaigned on making New Jersey the California of the East and was somehow reelected. This is cut two. Uh, this is Phil Murphy with a big announcement. Because of the dramatic decline in our COVID numbers, effective Monday, March 7th, the statewide school mask mandate will be lifted. Additionally, we will lift the statewide mandate in all child care settings. Later this week, we will extend the public health emergency by 30 days to allow for this mask mandate to continue until then and then be responsibly lifted. So I'm not quite sure why you need another 30 days of an emergency mandate because he wants the power and doesn't want to give it up. I don't know. Maybe because at the end of February... Um, he has given every healthcare worker in the state only until the end of February to get yet uh, to get a booster, even if they've had COVID. He still wants them to get boosted, even though they worked through the pandemic with no COVID. Or excuse me, with with no vaccine in the beginning when it was really bad, and they didn't. You didn't see like them being felled in in large numbers by this highly communicable disease. You, you didn't see that happening, but he is forcing them to get a booster by the end of the month. So maybe that's why this doesn't start until Monday, March 7th. And he keeps his emergency powers through then in order to force healthcare workers to get a booster that a lot of them don't want. And a lot of them don't need because they had COVID, but we're following the science and therefore we're totally ignoring natural immunity by having had COVID. 866-408-7669 asking if your life is back to normal. Are you back to normal? You know, because since the, all the COVID restrictions and all that kind of stuff, I'd, I'd like to know. 
I, I'd also like to go to um, cut 25 here. This is Governor Murphy on CNN. And this was a big deal because New Jersey is basically a socialist state. So for him to announce that he was lifting the mask mandates, it was a big deal. Connecticut and Delaware also lifted their mask mandates. I don't know if COVID hangs in their states until the beginning of March, like it does in New Jersey. Not sure. Um, and March 7th specifically, March 1st, COVID still in New Jersey, but March 7th, it's, it's not. Um, here's Phil Murphy talking about, you know, hey, the mask mandates worked. There's no question that masking in our schools since the beginning of the school year uh, has been a very uh, smart public health step. I think we've had just over 2,600 cases of students uh, with COVID positive since the beginning of the school year. That's out of 1.4 million kids. So it's a pretty stark uh, piece of evidence, I think, that this has absolutely worked. Yeah, um, but yet we find out that even people who are masked, for however reasons, are still getting COVID. And you see study after study after study coming out right now. Now we know cloth masks, yeah, those didn't work. Sorry. And I see people wearing these masks and it's below their nose. It's got a big, you know, gap. Those little surgical masks, they got these big gaps on the sides and on the top. Really? Does it stop some transmission? I'm sure it does. But I don't think it works to the degree that they are claiming. We'll go into more of this a little bit more, but I want to get to you and kick this off. Let's go to Nick in Jacksonville, listening on WOKV. Nick, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello, Mary. How are you? I'm doing good. So are you back to normal? Um, honest to God, uh, we never got out of normal. Um, I've been self-employed for the last 45 years. Uh, we're 70s. We're in our 70s and we're retired now. But when this all came upon us, my wife and I looked at each other, and we've been doing this all our lives. We're not going to get involved. We're not going to get punished around by this stuff. Uh, she's a very inventive cook, and she can make a, a full meal out of two, two or three different uh, ingredients. Uh, we've been, like I said, self-employed all our lives. Our house is paid. Our trucks are paid for, for a 20-year-old vehicle. I've got a 16-year-old vehicle. They run very well. We take care of them. We take care of our house. Mm-hmm. No bills, just what we have coming in, you know, electric phone, this and that, and this and that. Um, and I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. But this is the thing that my wife and I decided to do when we first got married 36 years ago. It's us against the world. And that's in our philosophy. Well, that's good. And also, Nick, be, and thank you very much for joining us and kicking it off. I think if you're retired, uh, it, it either totally changed your life, COVID, or it didn't change it at all. I think it was one or another. You know, for my husband and myself, I wound up losing my job. I I left because I was commuting to Washington, D.C. I was living in Washington, D.C. Monday through Friday and commuting back and forth. And then we worked from home for 14 months. And it was great. We did did fantastically. Everything was fine. We had no problems. And then they decided, nope, we're calling everybody back. You have to be back in. You have to be in, you know, five days a week, the whole bit. And so I had a choice between going back to a miserable lifestyle where I was constantly tired and, and commuting, you know, eight, you know, four hours down, four hours back it, and not seeing my husband, not living at home when I could do the job remotely. I said, well, I'm not doing that. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, so I had a choice to make and I made my choice. I made my decision. So it has altered our lives a lot in that respect. My husband being a physician 
uh, and running an ICU. <laughs> I mean, he, he was in the thick of it in the beginning of COVID. So it is changing. So we feel so much freer now because he is, gets more than one day a month off now, like one day off in March of 2020, you know, like one or two in April of 2020. So for us, it's changed. So we do feel like things are back to normal. Being in New Jersey, you don't, you can eat in a restaurant without a vaccine passport and you don't have to wear masks because we've acknowledged that COVID can get you when you're standing up, not just when, and, and as well as sitting down, you know what I mean? Cause you could, you could take your mask off as soon as you sit down. But if you stand up to go to the bathroom, you have to put a mask on. It was dumb. It's dumb. So some of those dumb hoops that they were making us jump through have been rescinded. And I think that that's a big deal. And to, I think we go even further and say, look at all of these things. We, we talked about um, Stacey Abrams when, you know, showing up maskless. And we now know that that visit to that school with Stacey Abrams was contingent upon everyone around her being masked. She wasn't going to go unless everyone around her wore a mask. And if you have, if even if you're mildly aware, there's a picture of Barack Obama in the Daily Mail with the workers at his building his home in Hawaii. They're all masked. He's not. You see uh, AOC getting ready for whatever that awards banquet was where she wore the dress, taxed the rich. She's getting ready. And all the people around her, all the minions, the little people, the servants are all masked. She's not. How many pictures have we seen of elitists out to dinner or at gatherings or parties? I think it was Barack Obama's birthday party where all the servers are all masked, but all the elites are unmasked. You see Stacey Abrams unmasked, but the children and the teachers are all masked. It's like, they're, they're, and that, when I see that, I'm like, this isn't dangerous. This is BS. At least that's what I think. Uh, let's quickly go to cut three here. I want you to hear this. This is the media going after Stacey Abrams for that maskless photo. If you're running this campaign and you're any staff member, uh, if you're Stacey Abrams you're, uh, as well, you know, and you're getting ready to do this, you know that this is going to be something the Republicans will seize on. Stacey Abrams, to me, is one of the most intelligent people in politics. Brilliant. And she kind of slipped up here. They took a picture of her with these kids without a mask, giving aid and, and, and the comfort to the other side. <laughs> That's what she did. She did. Uh, and I'm surprised at her, to tell you the well, truth. Well, it was an unforced error. Yeah. Like, why do that? Yeah. Why give the right uh, more ammunition? I mean, they always go after her anyway, and I think it was really hypocritical, actually. One thing she did manage to do is unite Brian Kemp, the incumbent <laughs> Republican governor, and David Perdue, the Trump-endorsed primary challenger. Uh, they both tweeted, essentially, you know, uh, saying that she was being a hypocrite, um, it, it, my paraphrasing of their tweets. But, you know, the, the two, you're right. It was a gift to the two Republicans. With the election coming up, this has to end, and they know it. 866-408-7669 is your life getting back to normal? Are you coming out of all the COVID craziness and starting to go back to life pre-pandemic? Your call's coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is about something much bigger than than the mask. This is really emblematic of this perverse relationship between the power elite and everyday Americans. And you see it right there. You've got Stacey Abrams sitting there in the front representing the power elite. They make the rules, but they don't follow them or feel like they have to. And then you've got these kids sitting behind her who represent us, everyday Americans, 
who have to follow those rules or else face the consequences. So we've got one set of rules for the power elite, a different set of rules for the rest of us, one set of rules for the people like Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams and Gavin Newsom and those like them, and a different set of rules for the rest of us. That was Tulsi Gabbard on with Sean Hannity talking about if your life has changed now that we're kind of coming out of COVID and things are being freed up. 866-408-7669. Let's head to Tony listening on WABC in my state of New Jersey. Hi, Tony. Oh, hi, Mary. I love your show. I can't wait. I'm sorry, but you know what? Brian's a nice guy, but I can't wait for you to fill in for him. Um, Everything that you talk about is great. Um, I I got so much I'd love to talk to you about, but I'm going to pick the most important thing. Um, My wife and I live up in Bergen County, and nothing's really changed. The shelves are really empty up here. Um, When you go shopping, it's, it's kind of disappointing, and it's it's scary to the fact that you can't buy what you want to buy. Um, you know, all along, I've believed that government, ever since this whole thing came out, and ever since Biden became president, really, um, that they've been trying to take away choice. Now, choice is a very important thing. Uh, to me, it's the most important word in the dictionary, because when you get up in the morning, you make a choice. Which eye do I open first? Do I open both eyes? Do I put my <laughs> foot on the ground? Which foot do I put on the ground? Uh, do I take a shower before I have my coffee? Choice is so important, and they're trying to take choice away from us a little bit at a time. I just wanted to get your view on that. I think you, I think you're absolutely right. Before I let you go, though, very quickly, you're you're in Bergen County, which had gone uh, red for Chitterelli and then went blue. Uh, I, I look at that as very true blue New York expats who you know flee to the high taxes to New Jersey and then vote for high taxes. What are they saying uh, about uh, the Murphy and Biden and this whole handling of the pandemic? Do they say anything, or are they all super scared, masked up? Everybody, you know what? People are driving down my street. One person in a car with a mask on. You know, these I call them Bidenites. I, I prefer that word, Bidenites, because it seems like they would follow him. You know, if, if Biden told him to jump off the George Washington Bridge, they would do it. You know, um, but the same thing. It's like they're still wearing masks up here. Um, okay. I, I guess they're all afraid. But, uh, you know, I haven't worn a mask this, since this whole thing started. And. Uh, knock on wood, I've been okay. Good for you. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear you're okay. Tony, thank you for that. I'm, I'm just curious. You know, you can look in certain areas. And, like, I go to the grocery store and I sometimes see, um, you know, like the the older people wearing masks. And, my, again, I have no problem with it. You do you. That's fine. I'm going to do me and we'll, we'll both be happy. You know, listen, I, I, I've had COVID. So I, I'm not worried. I have antibodies. I am not worried. Um, and if I do get it again, it's going to be much less severe of a case. So I'm good. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not going to infect you. I'm not going to get it from you. So for me, uh, life has changed greatly. Uh, Chuck in Ohio in Dayton on WHIO. Chuck, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So is your life getting better now that we're coming out of COVID? Yes, ma'am. I am an over-the-road commercial truck driver, and there's always a silver lining in any type of instance in life. With all the people mandated to stay home, my fellow truckers and I had a wonderful uh, <laughs> couple of months there because there was no rush hour. and we A truck only wants to do is maintain its speed, and we were covering a vast amount of miles because less traffic on the road. Right. Oh, that's funny. It, 
Yeah, and we had to wear masks to, to go in and out of the businesses. And, and as a professional, you learn what the policies are to get your business done and all that. Now, as far as my life being changed, you know, I, I'm originally from Maine, but live in Ohio. It, 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 air travel has been very difficult to go visit family. And they, the state of Maine, I believe you want you to quarantine for 14 days. And who, who, who in the working field can take 14 days off and then, and then go on their vacation to, uh, you know, I would say people typically take a seven-day vacation. So it's definitely been interfered with that and all. Interesting. I, I didn't realize that that Maine was doing that because you're right. It, it makes no sense whatsoever to have to quarantine if you're if you're coming back from somewhere for X number of days. And it's like and Chuck, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for doing what you do, being a trucker. Love to hear it. Thank you. Uh, it, it's it's like when you wait, when you went to Hawaii. Did you see that? If you ever want if you wanted to go to Hawaii, you had to quarantine for two weeks when you went to Hawaii. So you would have to fly to Hawaii stay in your hotel room for two weeks and they would not let you out of your room. So two weeks in your hotel room, then you get to go on your vacation and then you get to come back to the States. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Very quickly. Doug in Florida is going to end it for us here. Doug, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show about 30 seconds here. Doug. Hi. Okay. Quick one. I'm 77 years old. I didn't believe in this crap from the get-go and everything the government's been telling you since the get-go has pretty much been proven to be crap. <laughs> like somebody said, the average time for a conspiracy theory has become truth is about two weeks now, and that seems to be where it's going. Uh, <clears throat> I'm in a small town in, in central Florida. Most of the people were there never worried about it. The big stores and all the stores had to deal with the mask mandates and all this stuff, and Silver right. Santa's basically said it's crap. But uh, you know what, though, it's it, it, it again. I, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. But in Florida, I think Florida, it, it's it's kind of not fair because Florida was an outliner outlier uh, pretty early on in the game, which is why so many people are moving to Florida. Right. You see so many. I love I love when Democrats pick up and move to Florida. It makes me laugh. Uh, but so I think you've kind of been a little bit freer than everybody else from the get go. Stay safe if you choose not to wear your mask. I'm Mary Walter and you're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.